goodness. Hello, welcome to I'm the I'm still Finale. dancing. Uh, shut up. Uh, hey. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Financial Success Show. As always, I'm your host, Jeff Eady. Uh, this is our first uh, rendition of the new theme, the new music. Thank you to our producer, Fabian, for doing his job. Uh, <laughs> it only took us like 15 episodes, but hey, it's nice, it's nice that he's contributing finally. Thanks, Fabian. That was, <laughs> oh, that, that was, that was nice. Yeah, take that, I'm, I'm on a roll today. You yeah. are. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Somebody's got to bring you down to earth. Joining me, as always, is my right-hand man, and you definitely don't want to be my right hand, Captain Kirk Forsyth. Captain Kirk, how's it going? Good. Thanks for having me on the show again, Uncle Fester. I appreciate it. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, yeah, nice. Yeah. Yep. That's not nearly as funny as you'd hoped it to be, huh? No. It is Halloween. It, it no, I like the theme. I like the theme. It's the spirit of Halloween, and you have a history for getting black eyes. And, you know, when you kind of lean back in your chair, there's a resemblance there. Yeah, okay. Yep. Uh, so today, let's, let's moving on. Uh, let's talk <laughs> about today's guest. Uh, as always, we do have a fantastic guest lined up. He's been on the show before. He also happens to be a heck of a nice guy. And uh, one of the owners and the broker of Blackdoor Mortgages and Investing, Jonathan Tilger. Jonathan, how are you doing today? I'm great, but I, I must just tell you guys, I mean, seeing the banter you guys have back and forth, it's clear that not being on here every single time with you, I, I miss out on something. <laughs> I believe me, you're, you're not missing out. <laughs> I gotta deal with them every day. How's your day going today, sir? Oh, it's absolutely wonderful. Good, good. So, uh, Jonathan, um, we well, I guess we've already covered before how he got into doing what he's doing and, and yeah, stuff like did. that. And I'd like to have a, a little less formal conversation today, kind of talk a little bit more about what's going on in the market, maybe a little bit about uh, yourself, and uh, try and avoid talking to Kirk as much as possible. I mean, uh, I can go get coffee. <laughs> you want coffee? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Tammy. <laughs> I, I, I go for one, but, but as we're not in the same location, I mean, you got to travel to get to get it to me. <laughs> I'll send Tammy down there for you. But actually, that might accomplish the goal if we want to get Kirk off the show for a bit. Uh, he could just shoot over here and get me a coffee. <laughs> hey. Yeah, take about forty-five wow. minutes to get down there. Jonathan's on. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Thanks for Jonathan. coming out of the gates like that, Jonathan. That's awesome. <laughs> so, uh, Jonathan, today is uh, yet another turning point in the uh, lending industry. The rate hike this morning of uh, 0.25%. Love to hear your thoughts on that. Good, bad, indifferent? At the end of the day, it is It's what's happening in the market. I mean, I don't want to say whether it's good, bad. I mean, basically... What's happened over the last 10 years has been this artificial, basically this artificially low rate environment. Uh, people have started becoming accustomed to that rate environment, but let's just put, let's put things in perspective. That all came in about because of a huge financial crisis that was uh, throughout a big part of North America, also global. And that's what brought rates to the points where they've been at, but, at, but where they has, it is not, it's not a sustainable low level. So things have gone up over the last year or so, and. From what I see, they're going to continue to go up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's been ridiculously low. It actually put the, the right, you know, create your own economy. I'm a, a huge subscriber to that theory. Um, no matter what's going on in the financial markets, if you're aware, if you're educated, and if you're taking care of what you should be taking care of and monitoring it, you really shouldn't have to worry about the rate hikes. They shouldn't affect you very much. Am I, am I off on that? Well, they obviously do affect you. When, when, they, when the rates go up, they do affect you. But you don't want to be surprised when they go up. When we've had 10 years of, of really rates below 3%, and they're, they're climbing up now, don't be surprised. Don't, don't sit there and start crying the blues saying, oh, no, what's happened to me? My, my mortgage payments are going up. We've enjoyed historically low rates, and now that's changing. Yeah, fair enough. So what advice would you give to the house poor of the GTA who are having troubles making their current payments? And there's question number three. <laughs> so that one's gone. Now, like, i got to ask you before I answer that, Jeff. Did you read through his list to, to intentionally uh, take some of his questions off? Uh, no. He didn't, no. but he has this weird telepathical thing. I call him his voodoo Jedi mind tricks that I know somehow, some way he got in there. Yeah, or, yeah. or he's, he's just not that bright. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, James Franco, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that was actually funny the other night when you tried to call me. You can't find my name. <laughs> it's James Franco. <laughs> so, Jonathan, just, I don't just know. coming back on you with that comment, though, Jeff. If, if he's not so bright and you're coming up with the same questions, what does that say? Hey! He had to think about them. I'm coming off the cuff. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe you so, just use your Jedi mind so, tricks to read my mind. <laughs> More like reading a comic strip, really. Actually, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, you missed it a couple of weeks ago, Jonathan. Uh, Kirk came dressed in his um, best poor white guy outfit, and uh, we made yeah, fun of him feet. for looking like James Franco. And we did find a, a picture that looked exactly like James Franco. So I decided to change change Kirk's name in my phone to James Franco, although I got pretty upset yesterday when I couldn't find his name in my phone and forgot that I had changed it to James Franco. <laughs> But it was pretty awesome to tell my car to uh, to dial James Franco and it asked, would you like to call James Franco? And I said, yes, I'd like to call James Franco. And I said, calling James Franco. <laughs> Anyhow, back to the question that we just asked. Which was what again, Jeff? Uh, what advice would you give to the house poor of the GTA? Yep. That was my question, <laughs> Who are having Jeff. troubles that was making my their question. payments already. My question. So, so if you are in a situation where you're having trouble maintaining your payments right now, and your concerns are rates, seeing obviously rates increasing and you are in a variable rate, what, what do you do? Uh, look to fix in your rate. You can speak to your current lender if you are in a variable. Uh, pretty much all variable rates, you've got the option you can lock into the fixed rate at any time. You will be not locking in at the same rate as a variable, uh, but you'll lock into the, uh, the available fixed rates that are out there. So if that is a concern, speak to your current lender and that's something you can definitely do. Okay. That's that's awesome, um, you know. Staying on that that vein, you uh, you were part of our financial success summit just a couple of weeks ago, and I heard you give some great advice from the uh, from the stage. Something I've never actually heard of before is calling your lender and and making a, a preemptive strike if you know you're going to have troubles making a payment to call them and make arrangements. Can you kind of expound on that for us? Yeah. So, so what it is is it's it's. This isn't designed for a long-term solution. So if you're in a situation where you're saying, hey, rates have gone up a percent and a half, you can't, you can't afford the property anymore, this isn't your solution. It really is for somebody who is, something has happened short-term. It could be a layoff, it could be uh, death in the family, illness, something, something that could affect things for a few-month period where you're saying, hey, listen, things are going to be a little bit tight right now. Most lenders are actually very, uh, very understanding, and they do have programs to assist with that, such as dropping your your payment to maybe interest only for a period of time. Or there are actually uh, quite a few mortgages that actually have a miss a payment option built into their mortgage, where you can miss one payment per year without any penalty. Now, saying this, you do not want to just go missing it without talking to the lender first. That goes mm. down as a miss payment. That's a problem. But if you are, if you do sit, if you do really sit there and say, hey, listen, this is what's going on in my life. I expect things to be back on track. I don't know, let's say January. Then they do, they will work with you. They are not in the business of foreclosing. They're in the business of, of lending mortgages and they really, they want to maintain that business. Yeah, no, that, that totally makes sense. Um, I had no idea that, that lenders could be that flexible, especially, you know, we, we, we often vilify the, uh, the major banks. The, it, I'm so it, it's, it, it's actually beyond just the lenders. It's actually the mortgage insurers as well. And some of these programs, if you've got like a CMHC or a Genworth or Canada Guarantee Insured Mortgage, it's often the insurers who will, uh, who will assist with some of these programs as well. Hmm. That's very cool. I'm, I'm really glad to know that. That's, that's huge value. But I'll, I'll just go back and emphasize again, it is important to be ahead of the game. Once you miss a payment, you are not looked at in the same light. If you rack up all your credit card bills, then you go forward. Again, they're going to check your credits. The first thing they're going to do before they say, what can we do? If they show you're maxed out, they will not be as favorable. But if you do it ahead of time saying, hey, listen, I think this is what might be happening. Let's, uh, let's, find some, let's see if we can do something so I don't get into trouble. That's where they will be very supportive. 
Oh, very cool. Very cool. Thank you very much. Sorry, just uh, seeing if our guys can hear some people in the other room there. They're giving me hand signals, and I don't know if they're picking up. Yeah, we're good? Okay, perfect. Thank you. <laughs> um, <yeah. laughs> well, I'm just trying to make sure I break the fourth wall. I don't care. Um, so, yeah, more than once. <laughs> so, Jonathan, I know that we're in a, um, in a weird market where things are, you know, very likely to take a tragic turn for some, um, being that people don't typically take the advice of people who can help them, and, and they're somewhat stubborn when it comes to things like downsizing their house. Is there anything you can comment on that uh, for people who may not be in a situation where they can make a, a couple of forgiveness payments where, where they should be downsizing? In those situations, it's really... You, you've got to look at your circumstances and, and essentially say, hey, listen, can I, afford, can I afford my current lifestyle? Or, I mean, basically, if you can't, then there's two choices to make. Either do something to change the money coming in or do something to change the money that's going out. If you're in a situation where month over month you're, you're spending more than you're bringing in, you're going to put yourself into trouble. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, that's basic economics, point. right? Yeah. <laughs> But uh, what, what is there any advice for people that might be going through a foreclosure? It's really <laughs> what, once, once you're in the foreclosure stage, there, there's really not a lot you can do. Before you hit foreclosure, there, there are options out there. Uh, but once the, once the lender starts foreclosing, it's kind of like, okay, you basically hand over the house and that's it. You're, you're pretty much finished at that point. What about going for private funds? That is an option, but that has to happen before you hit foreclosure. So, yeah, so essentially, once you get uh, it's it's at it's at the third the third missed monthly payment is when the foreclosure process would begin. So, if you are let's say two months behind, a month behind, there are options where private funds can help you out. I mean, but let's be honest, they are not they are not cheap options. They become more expensive at that point. And if you are going that route and you're saying, hey, listen, I want to save the house, it's very important to make sure that that you really go into it with the game plan. If your game plan, if you just go in saying, well, I'll get this money, then I'll figure things out, you're, start, you're sort of saying, well, now all that's happening is that I'm going to go for, or potentially going for the foreclosure three or four months later, but now... Now I've just given up an extra thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars for this private loan that, that saved me in the short term. When I say go in with a game plan, go in knowing, okay, here's either it's listen, I'm gonna do this to give me the time I need to really sell the house on my terms and, and make sure I get the price I want, or I'm doing this knowing that knowing that here's my game plan to pay it off so that way in a in a short period of time I can get back out of this private loan. Yeah. Getting getting into private loans where it's year over year, all you're doing is you're getting a new private loan. It becomes a slippery slope where, where every year you're paying additional fees. You've got these high rates, everything else. And so, if you actually do the numbers, oftentimes you're staying behind how much your house is appreciating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's actually costing you money year over year to maintain those private loans. That's that's it's crazy too. I, it, it is scary. That's uh, I, I've seen it time and time again. Um, it, there's a number of factors. I mean, one of those factors is that people are stubborn and and they get attached to their home. It becomes a very emotional thing instead of a logical mm-hmm. decision. But the other side is that uh, the mortgage industry has a lot of shady characters in it, and there's a lot of people who just don't do the right thing when it comes to putting a client into a private mortgage. Do you uh, have you seen this in the past? I, I definitely, I've. I've heard of an, uh, a lot of it. I've not, I mean, I've never been part of, of that side of it, but I have heard of quite a bit going on saying that I have involved, I have done private loans, but I try and keep things at a reasonable level mm-hmm. as far as fees and so forth to the client and get those things set up. And as I said, number one thing is let's make sure we have a game plan going into it. Otherwise, all we're doing is we're just delaying the inevitable. Yeah, of course. And, and the, the other side I'll just say about that is, is especially the GPA, what everyone's become accustomed to is these just very large appreciation that's been happening year over year. And so that's been offsetting some of these extra things that extra expenses that people might be incurring in these situations. The, the levels we've been seeing, especially with rates now starting to go up, the level of appreciation most likely will not be the same as it has been. Yeah, of course, of course. 
So I, I love the the private lending field to talk about. Kirk, you have such a blank look in your face. Like you have No, I'm listening to the conversation. I'm oh. learning. Don't worry about me. Oh, man. that's what you look like learning, huh? Yeah, that is what I look like learning. <laughs> it's also what happens when a deer gets in front of a car just before it gets hit. Uh well, that's how I learn. <laughs> I learned from my mistakes. I get hit by a car. Oh, oh well. I, I won't look into the lights next time. <laughs> I don't believe that. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. So, I think my purpose on the show today is just for that. Well, well, well we can kind of talk about it. <laughs> yeah. When, when I spoke with Jeff a few days ago, he told me what this was going to be about. He said it's 90% making fun of Kirk and 10% why talk about mortgages. <laughs> he was not wrong when he told you that. <laughs> the real value comes out of seeing Kirk squirm. Uh, <laughs> so, I like the the private lending. There's there's the, the the private lending discussion we're having. There's there's two sides really to private lending because there's obviously the borrower side and then the lender side. On the lender side, is it a good time to start looking at lending private money on mortgages? It's all. It's it's a very good business. It's a business that uh, that you get decent returns for. It obviously is secured by property. Now it is, uh, as with everything on the investment side, it's like, is it a good time? It's always a good time. And it's never a good time. It really comes down to, is it the right time for the actual investor? And mm -hmm. also, in what aspect are you getting involved? If if you're getting involved, saying, hey, I want to, I want to lend on. I want to lend directly on a property. So there's a couple, let me just go back, take a step back. There's a few ways to get involved as a lender. You can, you can essentially put your money into something like a MIC or some structure where your money's being pooled, in which case you'll get a return on that one there. If you are a Sorry, lender Mick, direct, sorry? Can you, can you expand on a MIC just for our, uh, our listeners and viewers? So, so a, a MIC, a, a MIC is, is actually stands for Mortgage Investment Corporation. Essentially it is, it is just a, a legal structure that allows for money to be pooled to be lent out at, as mortgages lent against, basically lent secured against the property. Okay, okay. So there are a number of companies that are structured this way. So as an individual investor, you've got a little bit of money, you can put it with one of these companies, they'll, they'll pay you. Typically it's a set return, then they will lend it out. They'll obviously make a little bit more and they make their spread. And that's how they make their money. Now on the flip side, and usually you need some more. You need more money if you if you're just saying, "Oh, I've got twenty five thousand dollars." You want to put it into private loans. The mixed structure is probably your best way to go, or one of the better ways to go. The other way is to lend out directly, where you would actually have people looking for money coming directly to you. Often in those situations, it's good to to network and get to know mortgage brokers because they often know people who are looking for uh, for private funds. So in those situations, you're the you're the lender directly. So you would actually basically write the check. Your name would be registered. Your name or your corporation would be registered directly on title on that property for the uh, as a security against the money you've lent. Now in those situations, it's very important to understand, basically understand your market, understand where you're lending, understand the types of properties you want, loan loan to value you're comfortable with, and no different than. Uh, than anything else understand what your game plan is should something go wrong basically should the person not be able to make their payments either your payments or the payments for the first mortgage holder because that's the big mm -hmm. one if the first mortgage holder is defaulting if you're in second position they take they take their money out and you're left with what's left so it's very important you understand those things and understand what you're getting into yeah, I uh, I recently had a friend who got put into a private mortgage, and and I would, I definitely wouldn't say it was done in the best way. It could have uh, could have been for her. She actually didn't understand that it was an interest only loan, so she wasn't paying down any of the principal on it. Ooh. And yeah, uh, it, you know, she came out at the end of the year still owing ninety five thousand dollars for a bridge loan, and she'd been making twelve hundred dollar a month payments on it for the last year. And she couldn't understand why she still owed the whole amount. Now, to me, that should, I mean, some of that does fall on, onto the client because the client should be asking the right questions and making sure that they understand what they're doing. But on the other side, do you think the agent could have done a better job of explaining that to her and making sure that she knew what product she was getting into? Yeah, I've, I've seen a few people in these situations where, where they've gotten into something similar, where they thought they were paying it down, but no, it was an interest-only payment was all that was there. And so... So it, it is, 
it is uh, it is sort of on both sides to make sure it's educated. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. obviously, the broker or whoever the lender is should have explained that properly. Uh, but I know sometimes clients, especially when they're in a situation where they're like, I just need to get this done, they don't always pay attention to all the details. And so it's very mm-hmm. important as the borrower to make sure you understand the details. So so it, it's, it's both people's responsibility in that situation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it never falls on, on just one person. And let's face it, people, people don't pay attention to detail for the most part. Um, you know, I can, I can actually uh, attest to that. I saw a woman yesterday who had driven up on a median not far from our office. I haven't told you about you that. You have girl. not told me this. I... What? <laughs> like, how can you withhold that kind of information from me? I Jeff? haven't had time, and I don't like talking to you. Um, <laughs> That's I love not what you said last you. night. Don't make it weird. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I was uh, I was coming to work yesterday morning, and we have a, a median not far from mm-hmm. here on Cottrell, and some lady had uh, had driven up on the angle. She was at a 45-degree oh, angle. Goodness. And I can only imagine what must have been going through her head at the time before she hit the median and was up on it. Wee, but it was, this is fun. It was perfectly balanced. But, uh, you know, just a, a small point of people not paying attention anymore. We have such a short attention span. I can only imagine what somebody who's just getting their first mortgage uh, actually retains from a, a meeting. Sorry, what, what did you just say, Jeff? I was looking at something else. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> well timed, sir. Well timed. <laughs> that deserves a little bit of a you know. heck of a yeah, 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 slow yeah. clap. That that's a fast clap. That's actually a golf clap, Kirk. Yes. Anyhow, uh, I even had somebody almost step off the curb in front of me a couple of days ago. Um, as I was going through a green light, she's looking the other way and almost stepped off. I was like, oh, God, please don't. Please don't. Oh, my. Could you <laughs> imagine? It would have been bad. Like, I, I mean, so I was only bad. going 20, 30 because I'm downtown. But at the same time, Still. just not paying attention. People people stopped paying attention at some point. And, and when it comes to something like a mortgage, I can only imagine, like, what little amounts they're retaining when they're talking to their mortgage agents or work the bank well <laughs> yeah. I mean the, the, yeah. the, the bank's not there to, to serve them right the bank is there to lend money which I'm not saying anything that the bank is is evil uh, I'm just saying that the bank's intention is not to educate the client and make sure they're getting the best product in the market they're they're trying to sell them something at the end of the day there uh, I can only imagine how much people actually walk out of with a bank meeting uh, knowing you know how much they can pay on their mortgage, what their rate is, all of the options available to them. I can, it's it's kind of crazy for me to think about like a first time home buyer walking into one of the major banks and what they actually walk out with as an understanding. Oh, probably nothing. I mean, we talked about this the other night. <clears throat> Talking to the lowest common denominator, most people going to the banks don't even understand half the stuff that they speak. So yeah. they walk out of there. Ju- still confused just or more confused than when they walked in well absolutely and and jonathan you just said uh loan to value that's one of the things that i know when i first began my financial journey i had no idea what that concept actually meant can you expound on that for us a little bit Uh, so loan to value is, is essentially it is how much of the equity is is basically being loaned against so as a for instance when you talk about an 80 percent loan to value that is saying that if you had a $500,000 place, 80% of that would be 400,000. So you'd have a mortgage of 400,000 against the $500,000 property. And where did you find that $500,000 property? <laughs> Condo. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. That makes more sense. <laughs> I was thinking about that the other day, our good friend Todor. Um, Todor was telling me that, you know, average price right now for a condo in, in the GTA is about $1,000 a square foot. That means a 500-square-foot condo is half a million dollars. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Compare it to the world stage, it's not crazy. But when you think about how much you get for $500,000, Kirk and I were actually looking at uh, some some properties down in Costa Rica that friends of mine are selling it for $400,000 down there. You can get, you know, three bedrooms, three bathrooms, private pool, uh, mountainside, ocean view. Oh, all I know. It's crazy. Just crazy. Stainless steel appliances, the whole nine yards. Of course, they don't have transit or um, reliable electricity in a lot of places. Transit or all that. (laughs) 
what's uh what's your view of the uh the value of the condo market right now jonathan what in costa rica no <laughs> he's on fire today <laughs> uh no in, in the gta do you think it's sustainable long term do you think we're we're too high do you think we're gonna go higher uh I don't, I don't like speculating as far or really getting into price thing. I mean, what, what I know is the facts of what's happening. And that is that there continues to be the better part of what about 200,000 people coming to Canada annually. And yeah. about half of those people come to the GTA. So if you go through that ads, assume, I, th I think it's what about 1.8 or something people per household. So that's yeah. adding about 60,000 units annually. With that, with that continuing to happen. <laughs> year so year. you use back, math, uh, math to back up your opinion on that one? Is that what just happened? Yeah, exactly. I went back to your point a few years ago. I, I, I started saying, well, the prices, they're not sustainable. But then you really start looking at the demographics of what's happening. The prices are sustainable as long as there's people buying them. And when there is this continual influx of people that continue to come to the GTA, number one, the GTA is running out of space to, to build wide. So they've got to start mm -hmm. building up. So it starts going into condos. And with the, the price of, uh, and this is just where the prices are going. Yeah, it is, it is crazy for me. I mean, I, I live downtown uh, on the east side of downtown, Cabbage Town, represent. Uh, <laughs> but uh, to, to look at the lack of vertical expansion in, in, in downtown Toronto, it's, it's actually almost staggering to think about it. If you go to a city like Manhattan, uh, Manhattan, there isn't a, a single two-story building in downtown Manhattan, um, I, I don't think, anywhere. I mean, if, if there was, you'd be hard-pressed to find it. Ask me, I've never been there. That's Okay. <laughs> Nobody was asking you. Uh, well, you were looking right at me as you were speaking. You're speaking. I was like, sitting across I from me. To, Anyhow, hey, look at Fabian. I don't want to. Um, <laughs> he's too dreamy. Uh, <laughs> oh, Fabian! Uh, but no, I mean for 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 a city. <laughs> Idiots. Uh, <laughs> for a city of our size, the fact that we haven't expanded further vertically shocks me. The amount of two and three story buildings on the east side of downtown is kind of insane. Now, I know there's a number of developments going in down there, but for some reason, it, it, Toronto has held on to a lot of its low rise properties downtown. Um, I, I, I'd like to know the reason. I don't know if it'd be a heritage thing. I know in Cabbage Town they can't they they can't tear down a lot of it. A lot of it's historic and and uh, it's actually the largest intact Victorian neighborhood in the world. There's a, a fun fact for y'all, but uh, um, they have a bylaw in that part of town that you can't build over four stories. Although they seem to be making concessions for certain developers mm -hmm. for whatever reason. The beer store has been sitting on properties for years that they're starting to sell, which is crazy. Um, like, beer store owns huge blocks of, of property. Really? Downtown. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, the one by me at uh, Gerard and C. Yeah, I've been to that one. Yeah. Um, so is every other um, crazy person in Toronto. But <laughs> <laughs> Is that why you go to it, Jeff? Uh, no, that's why I was referencing the fact that you've been there. Um, I went with you. You were the one that brought me there. <laughs> Otherwise, I wouldn't have gone. I was hoping you'd stay. But uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's crazy to me to, to think about these mortgages that, that they're getting on 500-square-foot condos. I know myself, I tried to buy a, a place a couple years back, and I couldn't get financing. Now, I, granted, didn't know what I know about the industry, and I didn't have a mortgage license at the time, but I was trying to finance a 499-square-foot, one-bedroom condo, uh, for it was listed for two hundred nineteen thousand, and I could not get financing because it was a micro unit, is what they called it. Have you encountered any challenges like that? Uh, there, when it comes to when it comes to square footage, a lot of uh, lenders do have restrictions saying if it goes below a certain square footage, then yeah, they are. I mean, I, the, her micro unit, I've heard but not all lenders will call it the same thing, but they just say, hey, if it's below this square footage, what they will often require is, regardless of your loan to value, regardless of if you're putting 50% down or you're putting 5% down, they say that, well, it's gotta be an insured mortgage, so you've gotta pay an insurance premium. Hmm. 
So is there, a, is there a way to get around that aside from putting down all of the money and just buying it outright? Buy a bigger unit. <laughs> go big or go home. Uh, Straight up, just go buy a bigger one. <laughs> Let's say it's not feasible, Jonathan. And what if somebody's, you know, just just starting out? <coughs> they want to buy a 499 square foot condo. Is there an option for them aside from spending the uh, the amount on the insured mortgage? Well, if they're just starting out and they're they're probably going in with a minimal down payment anyway, so if it's going to be an insured mortgage, it's going to be an insured mortgage. Well, let's say they're crazy and they had 20% because I actually at the time had 20% I was putting down so that I could skip the fees. Oh. So in, 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 those, <laughs> in those situations, if really would have to look at case by case, is there a lender willing to lend on it without going insured? Uh, but for most cases, once you get uh, in, in the number, the number varies between lenders. I've heard 400 below 400 for some lenders, below 600 for other lenders. But that's that's where going to a good broker can help educate as far as what the different options are. But if it's below whatever the threshold is, they'd say the only way we'll consider it is it's got to be insured. Hmm. Yeah, I found that very frustrating as, uh, you know, somebody who's making my first four years into uh, um real estate and i mean you can tell by the price of the condo that yeah. it was a while ago now but uh you know I, I i won't say the the name of the bank but their initials are rbc um yeah, that joke's starting to get a little old now that joke never gets old it's and you're the only one that knows old. it don't steal it it's it's getting um, old man kirk miney business jeff miney business <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're supposed to add to the show not take away jeff, all right here that's an old joke. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I found it very frustrating that, hey, you know what? These developers are building condos that are this tiny so they can maximize their profit. And, and here I was, somebody trying to buy the condo, and I'm kind of left out in the cold when I'm, I'm talking to a major bank. Um, is there any advice you can give to people if they're, they're just starting out to that spot to, to, to understand where they're going to be when they get to a, a you know, 450, 500-square-foot condo? So what, what do you mean by that, any advice? Well, I mean, if somebody's just just looking at buying their first condo, let's say it's a 500-square-foot or a 499, um, is there anything that they should look at doing before they start approaching lenders or start approaching uh, agents, which would probably be a much mm -hmm. better idea? There's a plug for Blackthorn Mortgages and Investing. Uh, <laughs> but is it... <laughs> Wow, we agree on something. That's nice. That's nice, Kirk. But uh, um, is there there any advice you would give them if they're in that situation where they're looking at it? Very possible that they're not going to be able to get financing on it uh, without doing the insured. Is there any like due diligence they should do for for their finances or anything like that to to help them get qualified on such a small property? Well, it, it really goes back. It goes back to making sure, obviously, that, that they understand. First of all, are they are they looking at properties that are below the the threshold where a lot of lenders are going to say, hey, it's got to be insured? Uh, if there's if they're saying that they want to avoid that route, then yes, in certain areas it is selling at that price per square foot. At other areas, it's lower. Basically, the downtown core obviously is higher per square foot. So if they're saying we want to avoid that, then they might want to look to consider being a little bit outside the downtown core where they can get they can get a little bit bigger square footage that doesn't fall into those thresholds for the same price. Hmm. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I'm kind of bored just sitting here, so I'm getting I was going to say, you should this. probably ask a question somewhere. Well, I have a bunch of them. You already asked three of them off my list, but I'm getting bored here, and I have a question. So, Jonathan, <laughs> here's my question for you. Two truths and a lie. <laughs> <laughs> That was actually Wall Dog Sherry. That was all right. All right, all right, all right. Did we get there? Yeah, we got there. Uh, small business owners, is there a better plan for them to help get them into real estate? Because a lot of small business owners can't show income to get them qualified for a mortgage and all this stuff. What can they do to get into the market? So for let's let's just talk about self-employed people in general here whether it's a small business, mid-size, whatever the size is, but just self-employed in general. And it really comes down to, if you, want to get, if you want to get qualified, the lenders are going to look and say, what do you actually declare for your income? So there are two ways that somebody who's self-employed can get a mortgage. One is qualified income, 
One is going a stated income program. So I'll just talk about qualified income first of all. Qualified income, what they what the lenders effectively do is they're going to look at what have you declared the last two years for a tax return. They're going to average those two numbers out, uh, and then that's the number they're going to use to qualify it. Now, does that is that number sufficient uh, to buy essentially the size of property that you're looking to buy? If it's not, you can look to what's termed as a stated income program. So the stated income, and it's not just wildly, you say, well, stated income, I can put down any number I want and I'm qualified. It really comes down to you need to be able to support the, the number that is stated. So if you're, let's just say you're saying, well, I make $90,000. Well, what do you actually declare, number one? What are your yeah. revenues on your business? What's the nature of your business? So there's a series of questions that, that have to be answered. And so those are the first few. So the nature of the business, what are the revenues? Uh, how do you actually get clients? And so it's really going through to understand your business a bit better. So that way they can then make the decision and say, does, does this actually make sense that, this, that somebody who they show, let's just say it's $40,000, but we need 90,000. Does it make sense that they are actually making that, that money? Okay. So I'm actually going to uh, throw a, a plug in there right now. Uh, Why do you think I asked that question? Here at Blackthorn. <laughs> um, we have all of our professionals under one roof. And, yes, and if, if we don't do it in-house, we, we have our referral network with people like Melanie Rousseau and Toto Yordanov. Um, but, uh, Jonathan, you've been working closely with our accounting department to start creating um, some great solutions for business owners like that. Am I correct? Yeah, we, we've had a few conversations and, and part of part of it's looking and saying you've got, I mean, you obviously have tax planning that's part of it, which is what, what your team does so well, but it's also looking and saying, well, let's look at real estate or mortgage planning. Yeah. And es essentially what it's saying is, well, you can take this right, and, and the conversations we basically had is you can take this right off, put your income here, in which case it will limit your mortgage op mortgage options. But if let's say you don't take the write off or defer the write off a year or so, if you're planning to make a real estate purchase, it's one of the things that can help uh, can help qualify for the mortgage you're looking for. So it's really helping planning and saying, do you have any plans? And I know this is what we had. Do you have any plans in the next year or so to buy real estate? And if that's the case, let's look at the total financial picture and, and really see what would make it what would open up the most options for you on the mortgage front yeah it's huge i mean when i saw you sitting with uh with hashem our accounting manager and and you guys talking and, and having a a broker and a accountant in the same room i, I figured either we we're going to come up with something brilliant or a black hole would open up and swallow the entire universe because uh, <laughs> accountants and mortgage brokers typically don't talk ever uh, much less agree on anything. And what we really saw there is there is an ability, if, if you plan out far enough and you're looking at a six-year plan, you know, the average Canadian making 50000 a year right now probably doesn't feel like they got a whole lot of shot at buying a house. However, if you do things properly and you're structured properly, what we were able to kind of figure out around that is we can write down your income for three years get you some decent tax returns up to you know 30 percent if if we do everything 100 percent let's say we can get you back seventeen thousand a year um do that over three years you got a nice little down payment for a house the next two years you got to bring your income up as high as possible to show as much income as possible mm -hmm. get qualified for the mortgage and then in that sixth year because you can carry your your losses in a business back three years we can actually recoup the taxes that you didn't claim the two years before that helped you get qualified. You have thoughts on that? Well, that, that pretty much summarizes exactly what we spoke about. Yeah. So yeah, it's just it's just bringing in the mortgage planning as as part of that overall tax planning strategy to figure out what what essentially puts the most money back in your pocket. Between yeah. So so if we can save you, get a lower rate as a result of doing that. Yes, you might pay. You might have to pay a little bit higher taxes for a year or two, but if the savings is there to do that with what it's going to save you on, on the mortgage front as far as as far as far an interest rate, then it's definitely worth uh, something to consider. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. we, we did rough math on it, and over a six-year period, a $50,000 employee can get a down payment for a house, qualified for the mortgage, 
and money to invest. All told, it's somewhere around $100,000 they can they can get back over that six-year period. So, sorry, while so Jeff, Jeff, just, to, just to uh, clarify, you're saying six, uh, an employee, this is this is not so much for the employee at this point. It, well, an employer at this point. That depends. That's 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 a good point. But every employee could also be a business owner. Yes. So depending on how you're structured, if you don't know how you're structured, give me a call. I actually give. Kirk yeah, a I was call. just gonna say, yeah, don't bug him. <laughs> give me a call. No, and they're never bugging me. I just want to make sure that you get, you get the proper service. But yeah, I mean, every employee in Canada has the ability to open a business. The only thing you need to to open a business is you know the. Uh, um, what is it? <laughs> the intention to make money. <laughs> Did you actually forget? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the intention to make money and, and to show that you're actively growing yeah. the business. So if you sell a dollar this year, you got to sell two dollars next year. Tax write-offs are not the purpose of the business, but they are a perk of the business. So if you don't currently own a business and there's something you're passionate about, we love teaching people: do your passions. You don't have to make a million dollars out of the gate to do it. But by having a business registered in Canada, you have all of these things available to you now, and you can take part in programs like our three, two, one home mm -hmm. program. Anyhow, that's enough of the the, the pitch. <laughs> yeah, and we're almost out of time too. One more question, Jeff. You or me? Uh, go ahead, Kirk. Go yeah. ahead. You, you actually hit a home run with that last one. I'm kind of proud of you. Oh, oh shucks. <laughs> He's not used to it. <laughs> is, is that a tear? Mm. I see. Is that a tear? That is a tear. It is, it's a sweet tear right here. Oh. I'm so happy. I'm so I feel happy. like giving you a hug. Oh, please. <laughs> um, Don't screw it up. <laughs> oh, maybe I should have said this Jeff. No. Drum roll. Drum roll. Uh, let's say somebody finds himself in a bit of a tight spot with debt and they're waiting to. A sticky wicket? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and. It, they're a year or a year and a half away from a refinance in their home where they can qualify for a refinance. Is there something they could do to speed up that time where they can jump into refinance quicker? <laughs> yeah, it was okay. Sorry, I, okay, we've got we to break this down because I, 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 I <laughs> so you confused the poor guy. Hey, you got it. <laughs> so, so you're saying someone's in a situation where they're carrying a lot of debts. Yes, and they're waiting to refinance is there anything they can do to speed up the process they're waiting to refinance why i don't know debt consolidation because they have because a year and they, a half yeah. left on their mortgage yeah so, so you're so yeah so, yeah that's basically what i'm saying yeah oh, okay. so yeah. they're they're in the middle of the term so the options with the mortgage unless it's something fully closed so there are fully closed mortgages so again when you get into the mortgage make sure you understand the terms of the mortgage because the fully closed can be a killer because it takes this option away but if you are in a mortgage and you're saying you're carrying, so you've accumulated some debts, the debts are weighing down on you. What are your options at that point? So yeah, you you really have two options. Well, you have three options. One is one is the one you just laid out, which is well, wait until the, the mortgage comes up for renewal. Option two is you can look to refinance the whole thing. So that's where you break the mortgage, get get a whole new mortgage set up. And there, there's two options. You can go to a different lender, or sometimes you can do it with your same lender and avoid a penalty. Oh. And so option three is you can look to get a second mortgage set up. Now, generally speaking, unless it's with the same lender, most second mortgages are at higher rates, but it's something to consider in certain circumstances. One circumstance, for instance, if, uh, if you owe money to CRA and, and you're in a situation where you want to refinance and pay CRA, most institutional lenders will not lend to you if you owe money to CRA. So that's where a short-term private loan to get CRA paid off, so, now, so then you can consolidate everything afterwards may be required. That's some solid advice. That actually is, yeah. Very Two for two. Advice. Two for two. Uh, I call, two I call two. it one and a half. That question. <laughs> I was going to say two, but I was kind of stretching for two. I was hoping you'd back me up on that. Right, kind of let I'll me down, Jonathan. How's that? We'll split the From the See, right, now you're just you negotiating with me on this. I thought you had my back, bro. All right, you're back to one and a half. You don't want one of two. <laughs> you got demoted, son. <laughs> so, Kirk, do you want to do it? Are you going to do it with Jonathan? I wasn't planning on it, but can we do it? Just do it. Yeah. 
I'm going to let you have this one. Oh, thanks, man. Just John, because they got like one this? and a half questions, right? Well, you know what? It's because you look so sad over there. You didn't get any questions in today. Well, you just kind of took over and you answered or you asked one, two, three questions. Kirk, I'm trying to be nice. And... Don't screw it up. Okay, Jonathan, two truths and a lie. <laughs> Let's hear it. What? Sorry, what's this? <laughs> two truths and a lie. I mean, Jess, Jeff, well, I just called you Jess. <laughs> Me and Jeff will guess which one is the lie. So this is on anything? On anything. Or do you, do you want something personal on me or do you want something like- Let's go personal. <laughs> Let's go deep, Jonathan. Let's get personal, bud. I want to see tears from you. <laughs> you, you, should, you should have prepped me for this so I could actually come up with a really good lie. So now I've got to fabricate something that is- uh... So two truths and a lie. You're, you're, okay, you put me on the spot here. Of course. <laughs> I love doing that to our guests. <laughs> that's why this is the only one that's come back. Uh, <laughs> he, he's the only one we've asked back that's said. Well, could, yeah. you, you, didn't, you didn't ask me this the first time. That's why I came back. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, that is actually See, valid. That's what I was talking yeah, about. Yeah, that's valid. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan, you don't have to do it if you don't want to. Yes, he does. <laughs> you guys stall for a second. I got to come up with something good here. <laughs> so, Jeff. You know what? Let's, let's, let's go deep, Jeff. <sighs> Don't say that and stare longingly into my eyes at the same time. Uh, so this is a good opportunity for us to talk about what we got coming up. Yeah, um, we got a, a huge opportunity working in Detroit right now. We've been working on Detroit for the last couple of years. Things have changed. Detroit has uh, has really come back in the last couple of years. It's mm -hmm. been amazing. Uh, as a part of that, we're going to uh, be ending our retail investment of uh, availability there which is uh, both a, a bitter and a sweet thing um, for the people who have not participated we've seen uh, uh, home values skyrocket like 300 yeah. percent in the last year and a half uh, and and that is part of the reason that we're closing it off because we just don't have the ability to, to find the properties we were finding before but also because we've got a great strategy in place and uh, the people who've come aboard have definitely definitely been very oh, happy they're happy with uh, but that being said, we do have uh, two presentations coming up. One tonight uh, here at our office at 6.30 p.m. And then, of course, our regular Tuesday night. Come out and see us live for our financial success meetup next Tuesday night, uh, 7.30 p.m. here at our office in Brampton. We're going to be talking about why Detroit, why now. Uh, we're going to have taxation expert uh, in there with us. I'll be speaking myself. We'll be talking about real estate, the opportunity that does uh, exist currently but is about to to close down uh, and also how to get your RRSPs out without paying the withholding tax technically you have to pay it but how you can get it back that's huge if you have any questions about it give me a call I'm not uh, putting you, out my personal you number. Really didn't seem confident that you actually had an answer there. Do you have any questions about? I did. I looked right at the camera. I spoke. What are you talking about? But uh, so so the dates for that tonight, of course, is 6:30 p.m. Uh, next Tuesday, 7:30 p.m. You can check us out at Financial Success Evening on Meetup or uh, Blackthorn Blackthorn Group on Facebook. Yep. Or of course, you can uh, shoot Kirk an email at Kirk at Blackthorn hyphen group.com oh you got it right don't <laughs> just don't just don't <laughs> jonathan do have i stalled long enough for you you stalled long enough oh, oh nice don't, don't. <laughs> <laughs> just get <getting> weird <laughs> jonathan two truths and a lie give it to us all right <laughs> okay number one I think Kirk would make a far better host for this show. <laughs> There's the lie. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear the truth. <laughs> uh, I was really hoping that would be the truth. As soon as you said, I was like, okay, that's the lie. <laughs> Do we need the truth? <laughs> yeah, I I'm interested now. I'm intrigued. Let's hear him. Uh, I think that Jeff should be far nicer to Kirk on the show. I, I should be what? Sorry? Far nicer to far Kirk nicer. on the show. Oh, oh wow. thank you. Wow. That, yep. That, that, that's not very nice. Oh, see? <laughs> I knew Jonathan had my back. <laughs> Actually, that might be the lie. <laughs> <laughs> and what's the last one? All right. This one's something a little personal to me. 
I actually studied in China years ago. That I would definitely uh, say is a truth. Yeah, I, I, a I definitely believe that one. Jonathan's a very interesting guy. Uh, studying in yeah, China. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Kirk a better host or Jeff be nicer to him? I'm going to say that uh, the first one was a lie. I'm just going to go for the second one just because I don't want to. Because you want me to be nicer to you? <laughs> yeah. I have hopes. <laughs> Let's see. Jonathan, Jonathan, which one's which? Oh, I, I think that Kirk's truly just a whipping boy, so. <laughs> <laughs> so we had two lies and yeah, truth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, so that is all our time for today. <laughs> uh, thank you for joining us on the Financial Success Show. As always, again, you can join us next Tuesday night, uh, 7.30 p.m. at our office, or uh, you can always go to uh, 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 com. join up uh, on our list you get a free copy of our book as well as keep updated on uh, all the financial success shows and uh, any happenings and goings on in the company uh, part of uh, um, what's happening now is our Black Door Mortgages and Investing division Jonathan mm -hmm. is running it and uh, doing a stellar job I must uh, I must say not that I ever had a doubt but uh, um, thank you for, for doing what you do Jonathan any parting words today oh let's see you guys gonna invite me on this thing again <laughs> yeah of course i would like to have you back and kirk has no opinion so i already said yes what are you talking about <laughs> okay your opinion doesn't matter there you go <laughs> I was gonna say, okay because because next time i come on i mean i just gotta set me up so i can i can make a little more fun of kirk too here so <laughs> uh, so in that case, no. We We're going to have to start taking a guest tally because you had Sharon on your side last week. I know. Jonathan's with me this week. Sharon, Thanks, I Jonathan. need you back. <laughs> so once again, Jonathan Tilger, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Fabian, thank you for the new intro. That was, uh, that was pretty awesome. I, I was a, a big fan of that. You can join us uh, next week, of course, every Thursday live at 3 p.m. on uh, uh, our Facebook page. And um, Captain Kirk, anything you'd like to say? And that's it for Captain Kirk. My name is Jeff Eady. Thank you for joining us once again on the Financial Success Show. Fabian, take it away. Hey, thanks for watching the show. I'm Jeff. I'm Kirk. You got that one right. I Good did. You. No, thank you. Click, uh, click the link below, beside, beside. It's right there. here, right here. Click this link. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, watch us live on Facebook, and uh, go to paylesstaxbook.com. Uh, subscribe, and we will get you notifications of all of our shows. Oh, yeah. The goal that they may not be. <laughs>